Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 99th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today, we've got Maureen Berucha. She's a great director. She's currently working at Jimmy Kimmel, but she's got two features under her belt and a ton of uh, branded content. The thing that's the most exciting, I think, for me with Maureen is that she really managed to take a day job and invent the career that she wanted out of it. And she's going to dive in and tell us all about how she turned what could have been um, just a regular old job and she turned it into something that really launched her career. Yeah, I mean, she literally worked at Sprinkles, a cupcake shop, selling cupcakes to people and managed to become <laughs> like the, to helm their entire marketing campaign through video. Yeah, it's, it's she, awesome. It's awesome. It's really inspiring. It's just about creating your own opportunities, and she does it with uh, a like ton of humor. She's really great. So it's a wonderful conversation, and I can't wait for you all to listen to it. But f- before we get into that, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Well, as you know, I have been working on editing a new reel because if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that... that Matt and I don't really think directors need reels, but all of a sudden, for some reason, I feel like I need a reel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to do a new type of reel that's a little bit, uh, it's not really based on my friend Ian Pfaff's reel, but kind of inspired by it. He did this reel where it's just him singing a song about all his work, and it's like really well done, and it got him all his agents and representatives, and mm-hmm. he's like directed at Funny or Die for years, and he's like doing a ton of cool things. And so I wanted to make a reel also that wasn't just a montage of clips and wasn't just a bunch of scenes in a row, Mm -hmm. but more a little bit of like my personality. And it's almost like if I was talking about a reel on this podcast with you and I added video images to that dialogue, that's kind of what my new reel is going to be. And it's not really a reel. So anyway, I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm basically trying to write stuff and show it to people and not be precious about anything like mm-hmm. just write and send it out so that's kind of what i've been focusing on this week yeah i'm excited to see what happens you know i've been thinking a lot about um you know concept reels for ba- lack of a better term you know like something that has a little bit of a game or a sketch to it you know we talk about probably grant he had one for a while and um tim wilkheim has my favorite as we've talked about where <laughs> This is the in memoriam one. Oh right, right, right. It's like the, the the beginning is an Oscar speech, and then they show, you know, in memoriam Tim Tim Wilkheim, and then it's all of his clips. It's great, but uh, but yeah, I don't know what's better. Is it just too nice to have a regular world montage of celebrities, and you just put the most famous people up top, and then some funny jokes, and call it a day, or do you give it a little bit more? of a specific spin to it and yeah what i'm trying to figure out too is like how far back into my back catalog do i go like i think if you and i if i asked you right now you'd probably say like don't put anything like more than four years old in there which is very easy to say but i look at some of like my feature is i shot in 2009 it's you know almost nine years old and I think there's some stuff in there that's like looks good and yeah, feels if, good. You know? If it looks good, it, basically I wouldn't put anything in there that you need to caveat. And that can be from a content perspective or from a camera perspective or from a VFX perspective or whatever else. You know, we were joking about how like uh, anything that could be put like a discomforting or uncomfortable thought into someone's mind as they're watching the reel, you'd need to cut. So like... You know, there are a few actors who have passed away since then. So, like, just reminding someone of mortality and death is probably not a thing you want to... So you really think I shouldn't have any actors in there that are 
I've passed away. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, maybe it depends on the circumstances, you know? Like, look, if you worked with Paul Newman, you know, keep him in there. But, yeah, I don't think so. Or anyone who's had, like, a scandal or anything, I would cut out as well. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I sent Matt my first script, and he was like, yeah, just cut out the scandal people, (laughs) even though I thought it's funny to include them. Um, Uh, No, I didn't say that, actually. I said cut out the VFX. Oh, right, but isn't... But that VFX section is where the scandal oh, part I guess is. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of, kind of trying to figure that. It's you just have to keep reminding yourself that making anything and sending it out to a bunch of people can only lead to good things only and almost things. never lead to bad things. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is people won't look at it, which is not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or so. forget about it. Yeah. So I'm doing that. I wrote some spec scripts too for like commercials. Then yeah. Sent my production company. They actually sent me like really good notes this oh, good. evening that I got to respond to. But I think they're down to like shoot stuff. And my friend Avi lives in this really incredible house, and I want to shoot something in his house. It's a new house. I don't know, man. But yeah, I'll see. But it's like very photogenic. Yeah. So we'll um, see what happens. Cool. Well, that's exciting, man. Uh, what's uh, what have you been doing? Um, I just got back from. I don't think I told you, but we went to the Hoover Dam uh, Shorts Film Festival. Oh, you didn't damn, tell me, but you know who told me. Instagram? Yes. My game is on point. <laughs> um, it was really great, and it's all shorts. We were there for four days. You know, it was a thing where uh, I'm starting a gig up tomorrow, actually. We just got back today. And so I was kind of in between things, and it was they put you up in a hotel. So I thought, well, I can write every morning out in the desert and then spend the four days in a movie theater and then uh, go to parties every night. And it was great. And we met a ton of great people. We saw a ton of great stuff. Uh, you know, um, it was uh, awesome. I think I saw, we saw upwards of 50 films. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, again, all shorts. So, um, And I heard the Hoover Dam sucks, right? No, it's awesome. It's really incredible. Because I thought the Hoover Dam oh, really Hoover, sucks. Hoover, Hoover, Dam, Dam, Dam. Um, no, we actually we did do a tour of the Hoover Dam. And it was incredible. Yeah, I think the other thing that I love about film festivals is that you end up in weird parts of the country that you wouldn't normally go to, but I was willing to drive out for four free hotel nights. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so the the main reason, besides it being fun and all that stuff, uh, I wanted to go to watch all these shorts. It's been a while since I've been to a shorts-only festival. I go to Palm Springs pretty often, but it skipped it this year, and... Um, you know, I see a lot of shorts blocks and, you know, I'm on Vimeo all the time and stuff, but to really like mainline 50 shorts in a couple days. Yeah. It um, sounds tough. It was grueling. Yeah. I mean, to this festival's credit, they really did a great job of keep, keeping their blocks short. So the runtime for each block was 60 to 90 minutes. Top. Nothing was over 90 minutes by far. And things were much closer to 60. So like. You know, you sit through four or five, six shorts, and then you've got a nice little break. And the town of Henderson is really cute, and so it wasn't super hard. But my the thought was, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind doing another short. We've been touring with it. We're towards the end of our run with it. It would be fun to maybe do another one or two. Um, and I thought, well, what a good way to just kind of distill what I think is important and good about shorts in kind of a concise way. And I realized the two things that I really want, uh, the the two ingredients that I think a short needs to have is a concise premise, 
right? Something very clean and very simple. The simpler, the better. Like, don't try and cram your whole feature film story into a narr- into a 10-minute movie. Like, give me a, a single problem that needs to get solved, you know, and, and ideally your two characters, you know, two sides of a coin, basically. You know, they need to be, there needs to be real conflict in that premise, right? So ideally it's two characters who want opposing things and have to battle it out. And then just those characters need to have specificity. That's it, you know, like there's a lot of really great uh, filmmakers who are practicing their craft, but if they don't have those two things, all the awesome VFX and super cool lenses and shooting for a ton of days, it doesn't really matter. Well, what about, I guess, something I've seen in shorts that bothers me sometimes is just like super cliche stuff. Yeah, sure. Like the guy, you know, he was supposed to be the getaway driver and somebody saw him and he has to kill someone and Mm -hmm. now they have to find this person and get the money. Like, Yeah, look, it's rare that you'll see a, a filmmaker who is super successful and also still doing shorts right joseph khan had one in this festival which i thought was oh, really cool. interesting but you know like certainly it's a format where commonly people are honing their craft right so like you're gonna see things that don't feel as fresh as they could be or like if they haven't seen quite as many shorts or they think this thing is totally original and that's like oh well we see six of these every year yeah uh, definitely like a hot take is going to be important or to stand out from the crowd but i would argue that a familiar story with the fundamentals in place is still going to be better than most things cool yeah well good insight yeah it was fun shout out to hoover or shout out to the damn shorts fest damn shorts um cool well before we talk to maureen we're going to check in with our sponsor cameron woodward of film casualty and see if we can learn another lesson about film insurance We sat down with our friend Cameron from Film Casualty to talk a little bit more about the ins and outs of insurance and how the fine folks at Film Casualty could help us out. So Cameron, I've gone to a lot of rental places and they're demanding that I give them a certificate of insurance. They're always like, I want a COI, I want a COI, and then we figured out what that is. And so now I need the certificate. Is that something Film Casualty can help me with? That's absolutely something that we can help you with. Every Film Casualty customer has access to Film Casualty's certificate request tool. This lets our customers request absolutely as many certificates as they could possibly need. And our team over here turns those things around very quickly and sends them out to any rental company or location that's requesting a certificate. Right. And from my experience, L&D, stands for loss and damages, occur on like 80% of shoots. It's like so much more common than you would think. Yeah. I feel like there's a a small car accident on all of my shoots. (laughs) I'm a bad driver is what I'm saying. For more information about how to protect your film business, gear, project, and crew, go to filmcasualty.com slash just shoot it. That's filmcasualty.com slash just shoot it. Insurance for every kind of filmmaker. We are here with Maureen Barucha. Thanks for joining us on this rainy evening in Los Angeles. Yeah, really unique, unique night. Yes. (laughs) One we won't ever forget. (laughs) And so you are a director on Kimmel. Yeah, currently a segment director on Kimmel. But let's... uh, Let's rewind a little. So you went to film school. Yeah, I went to film school like 10 years ago. I went to Boston University. I'm originally from Santa Barbara, but went to school out there. And Did you ever think about going to Santa Barbara? 
I did. Actually, I went to the community college there. Funny enough, I still think that the community college classes that I took were better than any of the classes I took at any oh, of the colleges. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, Because I think a lot of people wanted to teach there, and you're like, mm-hmm. it's by the beach, and it's like... Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's so close to L.A. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Hollywood people that live in Santa Barbara. Yeah. So I did take classes in Santa Barbara, but I went and got my master's degree in Boston University. I came out here to fin- to L.A. to finish up my, undergr- uh, my master's program, and I had an internship on CSI, which was really cool, and yeah. I worked. Uh, What's an internship on CSI? Like, the one that do? I had was like the best internship ever. Um, it was basically I just got to be on set and watch things, and then sit in the writers room and listen, and then occasionally I would have to what? write copy. That, that was it. That is Wait, did you incredible. do any work? Not really. I mean, I I kind of wrote like we would write stuff about like episodes. You're like, oh, can you just like summarize this one app? Like read the script and summarize it for like maybe the DVD covers or the DVDs. <laughs> right. For the TV guy. Yeah. So you were just like, it wasn't that much work. But um, the person that I was under, Corinne Marinin, she was the best. Like she was just like, yeah, you can go hang out on set. She was so a producer. She was a producer. And she subsequently uh, wrote on the show and she's a writer now. Um, but then, yeah, I got to sit in the writer's room a couple of times and just kind of see how it worked. Wow. What an education. It huh? was re- yeah. it was like, I mean, I fought for like, I was like, I don't want just an internship where you sit in an office. Yeah. So I had that internship. And, and then, you were a director. I'm a director. Yeah. I mean, you were a director. Like at that time you were like, knew you were going to be yes. a director. Yeah. I went to, yeah, I was like focused on directing. So like when you're on set on CSI, you like. They have like a format of how they shoot that show, right? Yeah. It was actually interesting because I was on an, on in an internship for six months and you know you it was really interesting to see how the guest directors would come in Mm -hmm. and how like we really didn't know much about the show but it was like the dps and the producers and all the other people that were like really doing stuff where like the director would come in and they would kind of show them the ropes Mm -hmm. um and then they would sometimes they would talk shit about like some of the guest directors or like oh they weren't very good or like some I guess cinematographer got fired one time or Ooh. some of the actors Can were you being tell crazy. Me, <laughs> is there does a bad director on CSI ruin an episode or are they no, unruinable? Can, no. I think cuz it's a it's a well-oiled machine. Like at that time I think they were like the number one show. Yeah. I mean again, you have so many things protecting the creative entities and the writers are on set uh, especially on a show on a TV show and especially on a show of that level that I think that they couldn't have really ruined anything. I think that you just see like, oh, they're difficult or like they're not getting it or, mm-hmm. you know, and you can see like sometimes the line producer would like step in or the writer would have more to say or contribute. And again, I got to just observe all of that. Right. So and also here behind the scenes. Yeah. So you can kind of translate, oh, I see like it's uncommon for this person to step in and, and have a heavier hand. In this yeah. Sort of and it, I mean, my first internship exposure, it, I was a little spoiled because you're just like, it was on the back sure. lot at Universal. Yeah. So you're like, this is my dream. I'm driving yeah, yeah. in every morning. And like, cr- like lunch was like, oh, there's fish options and steak and chicken and shrimp. <laughs> yeah, and it's and a then successful like, show. Yeah, you're yeah. like, this is how it is on every show. It's like, no, <laughs> you don't get like catered lunch like this every. Yeah. But Kimmel has really good food, right? They have good food. I mean, is yeah. This, this, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it. But, but I <laughs> Nothing only... Nothing was like CSI. <laughs> really? I yeah. only know that they have really good food because uh, they talked about it on the show. Like someone, yeah. one of his guests. There's um, always good snacks. Yeah, they have a good green room. Bella Davis was on the show and she's like, my daughter only wants to come with me to Kimmel because yeah. uh, she loves the food. No, it's a good time there in the green room. That's like the best green room I've ever been to. <laughs> I, oh, when I was there, they had like four types of coconut water. Whoa. Pretty awesome. Options are always a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> 
Boy, you really feel spoiled when you have four types of coconut <laughs> You're water. like, which flavor? Yeah, mm. it might have been two, but I think for In the your story's mind, sake, yeah. four. Sure. It was many. It was a plethora of yeah. options. I didn't even know yeah. what After plain and like mango, I don't know where else to go, honestly. You know, I've were, like, sweetened, unsweetened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Are you going to have like shavings? Just, yeah. Like, not, you yeah, know, the, like the little floating one. Co- anyway. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so let's go back to CSI for a second. <laughs> yeah. I know I, it might not be super fresh for you, but No, I, think... I mean, I have vivid... I'm still friends with a lot of people on that show. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. You're still investigating crimes. <laughs> um, still going on. I was asking about whether there were directors, like if any directors I like, could ruin an episode, um, and you said no, and I think, like, if that's the case, is there... What's satisfying about directing a CSI episode? <laughs> I mean, maybe they could, but I feel like there's so many, like, checkpoints to mm-hmm. something getting ruined, or... Again, I think that... I think, like, the DP that they had, they, like, fired halfway through an episode, but then... There's so many other people that know that show inside and out. Right, yeah. The operator just stepped up, yeah. or they called one of the people that is yeah. on the show. And again, and this time, is also right? from, like, an intern's, like, viewing mm-hmm. of, like, right. they can't ruin an episode. Yeah. But it was mostly because you're like, wow, there's lots of people to almost babysit them. Mm-hmm. But that's also what I've kind of, you know, not that TV directing is like that really, but I think especially on a show that's that was on for seven seasons, the look and all that stuff is so set mm-hmm. that you're just there to make sure that all the, you know, that everything's kind of, all the checks are checked. Yeah, it's follow through more than it is yeah. origination. Yeah. Yeah, not to be specific about CSI, but I think in general uh, on a show that uh, specific... Yeah. Um, I think you might, you know, you know what, you probably could mess it up from from a directing the actor's standpoint, you know, not getting an actor where they need to be. I or, feel like but a, don't the actors, the actors know so know No, not, not the main actors, the oh, guest, actors. guest actors. So like on yeah. CSI, you know, every episode is about like a murderer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So those guest stars more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the people that are on the show. Yeah, yeah. Do they even listen like, to directors? Don't even bother <laughs> I mean, talking about it. I like, I, you know, they had some really cool directors on, um, like, Quentin Tarantino directed an episode and like one when I was on Martha Coolidge directed an episode and I was like oh my gosh like she directed Valley Girl and Real Genius so I feel like a lot of those people come in and they just have like people are in awe of them anyway so you're gonna listen Mm -hmm. but yeah but even still they're like three takes and we're good (laughs) (laughs) I got it so is there do people make shot lists because I think I, I don't remember but I know there's like you do like a long lens master, right? And then you do like a medium and a tight shot like at the same yeah. time and then the other person and don't you have like one steady cam person and one guy like sniping or girl sniping like with a long lens? Like I isn't mean, there I, something like I that? I feel like I wish that when I did have that internship I maybe would have asked more questions of the DP and like kind of the shot stuff because I think at that point I didn't realize coming from like film and like you you know you start to finish and like you're with somebody and the director is like I think that was my first kind of taste of like mm-hmm. oh this is a different type of collaboration and I feel like that's the first time when I was like oh the writers are the cool ones on a TV show yeah like, mm-hmm. they get to sit around in a room and like talk together and like bounce ideas off and you're like this is awesome yeah and yeah. they can create anything they say we want this person to do this thing and they do it right yeah and the next week or like yeah. we want this location or this car crash and it happens and they're like God's. and on that show too a lot of the editors would be direct or like some of the producers would direct so they know the show really well right so like all those shows like law and order they're all kind of like pretty nice looking shows Mm -hmm. you know i mean i know they have gigantic budgets and gigantic sets and gigantic lighting grids and all that stuff but i've always like just kind of been impressed by how you can shoot something so pretty so fast with so much story and so much plotting and i knew a dp on csi I wonder if he's the one that got fired. No. Um, the one that got fired was like a new one. Like one of the, I remember one of the DPs that I remember really was like, oh, he's, he's like the best one. 
or he's just like kind of running the show, Michael Slovich. Oh, like yeah, yeah. later, I'm like, he's oh, he does like, bet, right? you know, now it's like, doesn't he, he did, do Mad Men and stuff? He or? did like Breaking Bad and like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mad yeah. Men. But I remember on CSI, I didn't really know who he was. Being but, like, oh, that guy's the shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah and then now cool. when I see his name, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember like watching him like yeah. when I was an intern on CSI. Right. That's the guy cool. I know, you might know him, Nelson Craig. He went to SC. I um, know the name. He was this DP that I, I talk about him a lot because I was like a dolly grip and he was a DP on a thesis film mm-hmm. for this guy. And they spent over $100,000 on this thesis film. There was like explosions Oof. and there was a techno crane and there was a stunt team and doubles. Mm-hmm. And like they built this set that we destroyed the entire set. And um, I think Bobby Lamb was the camera assistant oh, on it or something. Yeah. And so... I was like, why? What kind of idiot would spend like $100,000 on yeah. a thesis film? Like, it's not going to be good. Make a movie good. with that yeah, at right. that point. Yeah, or just make like like five ten thousand dollars shorts <laughs> yeah. to learn how what all the mistakes and yeah. then make like a fifty thousand dollars short or something for, for the record that is exactly my advice <laughs> <laughs> just That's take all literally. that money and make five movies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no but so and then i worked with nelson a couple of times after that because i was uh, probably the cheapest <laughs> dolly group he, he knew um, and every, we, we would shot like a short horror film on like the DVX 100 and we yeah. got, he convinced them to get like a Fisher dolly and we shot like, it was like two, three, five, like mad. It was like, he would just, it doesn't matter if someone gave him $1, he would like try to get the 18 K light and he would try to get, it makes the all biggest, the difference. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, yeah, he was always treating everything like it was a huge movie and like, not like a student DP. Yeah. And a year later he was shooting CSI and I was like, what? the heck happened like that's awesome the guy that i right. said was like an idiot for like wasting all this money just leapfrogged well, into the I big i feel like it's so look fast. of like a the sh- person that shoots that movie is going to benefit more than the person big that like time. maybe yeah 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 if you are a dp you find the sucker who's willing to yeah, it's like, we need figures. all that we need this stuff <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> that's how the yeah. composer on my movie was he had never done an orchestral score on a movie before my movie and he did my movie and he got like nominated for like a Ghent award and he like we did not have the money to have like a live orchestra but he basically found a way you know it was like oh it's ten thousand dollars for all the music and then it ended up being like fifty thousand dollars for the music or something and all live like amazing musicians that play at the LA Philharmonic and the score is like the best part of the movie I think like sometimes yeah when you're making something and you get somebody excited like people all of a sudden want to like yeah I want to do I'll do that favor or that sounds really cool but I think it's I guess what I'm saying is it's a little different because Definitely in that movie, the score is probably the best part of it. I mean, there's some good performances too, I think. But he, his next thing was an ABC TV show, Um, you know. And then he now he's doing he did Shameless. He does does big Hollywood movies now in like just a few years because he treated the project, which was like this low budget indie film, Mm -hmm. indie drama, like it was a big Hollywood movie. So I think there's something interesting about that attitude, and that's why I, I. back to like CSI and how they shoot it. Yeah. I'm like, how does something look so good and get shot so fast? You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it's funny. If I had to go back, I would definitely like ask more questions and like, like look sure. at things that I didn't, wasn't paying attention to back then. Yeah. I but mean, it, it is so overwhelming when you're just like, okay, great. I've never been on a movie set, but you're like, okay, yeah, I yeah. just hang out all day and just observe everybody. Yeah. You, you were soaking up everything you could. It's yeah. just like now we all know more so you can yeah. kind of decode things. But it was cool. Faster. So when I was on CSI as an intern at the same time, I had an internship in post on an Alexander Payne produced movie. Oh wait, which one? Um, King of California. 
Oh, I don't know it. It was with Michael Douglas and and Rachel Wood. I started as an intern, and then they ended up bumping me up to a PA because I did PA work, and like I got my first credit. Hey, cool. cool. So it was kind of fun to be like, I saw this big budget TV show, and then this little small indie movie, Mm -hmm. and just like the difference. And I remember the coolest thing is the first day when I was on the internship, uh, I watched a cut of the movie, and then it was like me, the editor, the assistant editor, and like one other person. And they were like, okay, great, Maureen, what are your notes? I was like, oh, I just came in. and like, But I instantly, like, I hadn't written anything down because I had a piece of paper, but I was like, okay, this is what I think. And they're like, great notes. Like, But I was like, I'm just a nobody. You just, I came in. and Yeah. So it was like, a, that was a really cool experience. Um, but so kind of after the internships, again, I came in 10 years ago. So right after I was on those jobs, I was like, great, these are great internships. It'll be a great stepping stone for a job. And the writer strike happened. Wah, wah. Yeah. So I was like, and everyone's like, there are no jobs. <laughs> it's hard to explain how few jobs there were. Yeah. Like um, everything was shut down. Like, wait, but the, don't you feel like everyone at our level at that time who was just basically had a camera and friends was like making Yes, stuff. they were making stuff, but if you have to make a living, yeah, I mean, right. I just got out of films beat at Boston University, not yeah. a cheap school, right? Uh, and they give you like a month window of like you don't have to pay uh, your loan back for a month. You're yeah. like, great, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, well, I'll be famous by then. Yeah, so you're like, no problem. Three picture deal. Uh, but actually in that time, what was interesting is I think a lot of studios were doing this. I did go in and met a bunch of people that saw my thesis film, which I shot in mm-hmm. Pakistan. Oh, um, cool. That it was like a narrative short that I shot there. Got into a couple of festivals like the Santa Barbara. Are you Pakistani? So, um, well, it's complicated. <laughs> I'm ha- My mom's Irish, half Irish okay. Catholic. And then my dad was born in Burma. Uh, he's Indian descent, but his family naturalized to Pakistan because they're Muslim. So... Uh, he only lived. He lived like in, during uh, the separation, whatever it's called. Well, he he lived in Burma till he was sixteen, and then his family now like they moved to Bangladesh, and then war broke out there, and then he moved to Pakistan and lived there for three years, and then came to America. Okay. So my dad's been in America since like the seventies, um, since he was like twenty three. Yeah, yeah. But um, we have a lot of family that lives there. And it, actually, the story that I wrote was a story about him growing up in Burma, and he takes his rooster to a cockfight, and it dies. But you shot it in Pakistan. Yeah, because I had a cousin who was nine, Wait, the what, age of my bro- my dad in the Totally, story. I'm curious. Yeah. What, what, like, what did this movie feel like? Was it fun? Like, you said it with a little bit of a smile. I was like, wait, is this a it's, comedy? It's not, it's not a comedy. Because it would be incredible, because <laughs> you do a lot of comedy. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I kind of straddle a line of both, which, uh-huh. you know, to the detriment of everybody that's ever represented me they're like you got to pick one um but it's more like i don't know if you've ever seen the movie salam bombay uh-huh yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of like that it was a little bit um i feel like that was ma- one of the main uh cool. inspirations because yeah. it's basically we took cameras me and my brother he ran sound i did camera we had a script cousins translate it because i don't speak the language we went and shot for two weeks Rock i'd never roll. been out of the country yeah that is cool wait was the it was in Farsi, the movie? Uh, Urdu. Or, oh, Urdu, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't speak the language, but I wrote. I originally wrote a short story in college, an undergrad, and then I turned the short story into a like a 15-minute movie. Mm-hmm. And so my cousin, who's nine, he was eight, <laughs> he was the same age my dad was in the script, non-actor. We like went, and it was like, we did that pre-production for so a week. so excellent. And then shot for a week, and we're, and like, my Is advice, it online? Yeah. It's called a baji. Okay, we will definitely have that in the yeah. show notes. That's very exciting. Yeah, it was. It was like it was interesting because at, when I was at BU, they, my advisors were like, 
no, you shouldn't go. Because at BU, you, were had, you had to shoot everything on film. Uh-huh. One. Oh, got it. So I got special permission to shoot on a DVX because I was like, I don't want to take film like to a foreign country and have it X-rayed and be like, oh, my work <laughs> <Yeah>. is gone. <laughs> um, but then they were the other thing that they were like really advising me against was like, well, you've never been out of the country. You don't speak the language. You're going to have culture shock. You're going to get sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you'd never I, been there before. I'd never been out. I'd never been out of the country. I've never oh, wow. been anywhere. So yeah. I was like, but I just feel like I should try. Like if I fail and I, tr- I don't try, then at least I can say I tried. So um, I got, I changed advisors and I was like, I don't want you to be my advisor anymore. Yeah. And then my new advisor was like, yeah, go, let's try it. I mean, to to be fair, all of that stuff is f- like semi-founded. I get why someone would be concerned for you, but yeah. also that sounds like such a fucking awesome movie. No, but that's yeah. like, like a film. Fucking, like that is that's- it. That yeah. is good, like so rock and roll, right? Like, yeah, we were just like, I'm gonna do it. Let's just go. It, that is it, man. But wouldn't you yeah. say the good film school film is the one where someone goes to like the yeah. country Without of one of their parents, and the bad one is the guy that does like the sci-fi, yeah. like person that tried to like save his girlfriend who died in well, a car accident. Well, I think I leaned into like let's embrace this so that's aesthetic. Too specific, I'm sure you're talking shit about. <laughs> you're like somebody. the one that like you know. <laughs> no, I've I've literally worked you're, on like you're ten movies. Burning like a specific person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I leaned into the aesthetic of it because yeah. I feel like I saw so many student films that had a big budget that like mm-hmm. didn't seem you know, like they were trying. There were small budgets that tried to seem big in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this is low budget indie. We're shooting it like cinema verite. I don't speak the language. So changing it into another language is a great way to hide sometimes bad actors. Oh, for <laughs> sure. So yeah. um, I feel like the compliment that everybody would say is like, oh, this doesn't feel like a student film. And I'm like, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like so often that's the trap of like any thesis film is like, it's good. It feels like a student film. Yeah. And yeah. did did it get you any attention? Like what um what well, ended up happening? So it got me. It, that's what. So that was kind of funny. Is that at the writer strike, I actually went in for a few meetings because people were like, "We can't really do anything now, but we're just meeting with people." Mm-hmm. So I, I met at like the CW. Okay, cool. Uh, Lori wow. Openden, who runs like casting, they were like, "We can't really do anything right now." So they had like a committee of people just to bring in people to like look at their work and be like, "Okay, we wanted to meet you." Yeah, cool. I think the writer's strike was like an awesome opportunity for like new filmmakers that's when i had my most meetings too because i made like a short about the strike and then like everyone in town saw it because they weren't doing anything yeah, yeah. that's true it wasn't all bad but it, like the right to strike and then the recession were kind of a one-two punch of yeah. like if you were just kind of finding your footing yeah you know um, and i got into a couple of festivals i got yeah. into like the santa Rosa film festival in the hamptons and the jordan film festival oh, cool. but the festivals Michael didn't jordan really has his own festival <laughs> the country <laughs> uh, has his own country <laughs> yeah. yes but uh, it didn't really i mean i feel like festivals were hard because they didn't it didn't really do much other than just like it was cool that i was in a festival and got mm-hmm. to be a part of that but so having done that and like going around with the writer strike i had to get a job i was like mm-hmm. okay i gotta i gotta start paying the bills so I actually got a job working behind the counter at Sprinkles Cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Which is a very popular, <clears throat> at least I feel like it was very popular. Is it, it still and really And then popular? it was like peak. Then right? it was like You're, they had two stores. It was like, yeah, lying down the street. Now it's they like have like 18 Pinkberry stores all over the country, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're maybe kind of shrinking a little bit now, too, I feel like. But they're the ones with the ATM cup. Yeah, uh, they have the ATM. They have yeah. like ice cream now. Like yeah, yeah. They've kind of like you know now they're at Di- they're at Disney World, like yeah, downtown yeah. Disney World and downtown Disney. The ATM is like a machine where you can buy cupcakes. Yeah, 24/7. Oh yeah. Twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a vending machine for cupcakes. Oh cool. For very classy, expensive cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Do they have gluten free options? They do. They have a gluten free red velvet. It's awesome. Okay, so you work <laughs> behind the yeah. Counter so at I, I got a job working behind the uh, counter at Sprinkles, and so kind of. 
kind of when this happened, I was like working there and then kind of I started to get PA jobs again. I like mm-hmm. worked on the caveman pilot. Oh, cool. And I would like flip flop. If when I had a PA job, I would work at Sprinkles on the weekends and I would PA during the week. So I'd work like seven days a week for like three month stretch. And then I would, when a PA job would end, I would like work full time at Sprinkles. Mm-hmm. So kind of when I was working and doing this, the owners of Sprinkles actually saw my thesis film. And they're like, oh, this is really cool. Wait, the, like how did you meet the owners? Did they work in your shop? Well, this at that time Sprinkles was, I mean, it, it's always been just kind of like a small, run business and uh charles is it in and, beverly hills mm-hmm. charles and candace nelson uh they started it they owned it they ran it very you know you would see them all the time but uh one of my one of the guys that worked there he was best friends with charles Stephen, and he saw it and he's like oh, i want to show charles this and so he mm-hmm. kind of passed it um so they just saw my thesis film and when i was working there they were like you know what we loved your movie we need someone to make a corporate film for us could you maybe do that so they come in and talk about what you want to do. And I was like, okay. So I thought, I was like, okay, great. This is my opportunity to like pitch ideas. Mm-hmm. So I kind of came up with like a proposal for the corporate film. And when I went in, I was like, look, corporate films suck. Nobody wants to watch them. But your company, you guys have such a great story. We should do a little mini doc. Mm-hmm. And people will watch that. And it was like they were investment bankers. Then like the dot com went bust. And like they started their own business. They followed their dreams. So we should do a little mini doc. I was like, you should also be doing branded content. Mm-hmm. I was like, we could do um, short films based on your cupcake flavors. You have a black and white cupcake. We can make a film noir. Uh, we could do a Western. We could do, you know, it, it rains sprinkles. It sprinkles cupcakes. Sure, sure. Um, and they were like, oh, that's so cool. And then I also pitched, like, you should also be doing, like, B-roll packages. Because I had seen in the store, like, outlets from, you know, Tokyo or London would come and they would shoot B-roll. And I was like, no, you should have a package you give them so you can control the brand and the image. Uh-huh. So I think they were like, wow, these are great. That, those are all awesome yeah. ideas. Yeah, and yeah, they were just... Yeah. Like, like, Hold good. on, let me write those yeah. down. Yeah. So they were just looking for the corporate film. Kind of the meeting ended with, well, we don't have money for all of those things, but let's start with the corporate film. What What is a corporate film? So we ended up making a doc, and it was kind of something that we would show new people when they came into the company. So if you got hired, okay. you'd sit down and watch this like 15-minute documentary about them, and it was like their story. Did you story. tape their eyes open, their eyelids open? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that's the point, right? Like normally it's like, hi, I founded Sprinkles, yeah, but like, like you did something interesting and yeah. cool and got people excited about I basically the sat them down, basically interviewed them, and was like, tell me about what happened. And like... You know, it was like we were opening the first day and like the doors opened and then I talked about like how they recycle and how they give back to the community. And it was basically just taking their story and putting pretty images to it and like making it interesting and engaging to watch. And you shot all the images or did mm-hmm. you go to uh, no, they like- iStock.com? What's the, who's the company <laughs> that sponsors everyone? Dissolve? <laughs> no, there's like some, oh, there is- there's a stock footage company that sponsors like I a bunch of I should probably use podcasts. my old cupcake footage and like put it up on there. There you go. Here. Yeah. Just like I have so much. No, I shot. They, they bought me a camera. And they were like, okay, we'll send you to all the stores and you, you know, you know, you can hire your crew to like interview. So I hired all my BU like buddies to like shoot stuff. And I would go to all the store openings and shoot like a little vignettes. So Mm -hmm. I basically got, I went to all the stores, including the Kuwait one that we had. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you basically kind of stopped working the counter and basically became their, their media person. Yeah. So what happened was after I kind of pitched that idea, I was doing their corporate film. And so I was still kind of doing both. I was working, I was actually working at Gracie in the Simpsons, James L. Brooks's company as a PA. And I was like, you know what? PA work is not paying enough. I'm going to, in my mind, I was like, I knew so many people that would get into a job at a company and like they would be an assistant forever and like they'd Mm -hmm. be like, I'm close enough. So they just kind of settle. Mm -hmm. And I know myself. So I was like, I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to work the other way around. So I was like, I'm going to take my job at Sprinkles and I'm going to quit being a PA and I'm just going to make my own stuff. Sure. So my last day that I worked. That's wild. So you quit Gracie Films. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to yeah. work at Sprinkles. To spr- to work at Sprinkles. Hardcore. That's yeah. awesome. They were like, yeah. we want you to be the assistant manager at the store. Will you do that? And I was like, all right. <laughs> so it was like, okay, now I am on, now I have Wait, benefit. but then you have like to worry about scheduling and yeah. people so being I was, on time and <laughs> stealing money. Yeah, I knew, I knew I had like, okay, I got to do, I got to, because they were basically put me on salary. I got benefits. Yeah. And then I was get to do my movie stuff for them on the side. Did they pay you extra for the movie yeah. stuff? Yeah. So oh, I was cool. like, okay, great. This is like almost like having two jobs for the, you know, for one company. But on my last day at uh, Gracie, I met Yardley Smith. Oh, cool. And she's the voice of Lisa Simpson. And I knew that she used to come into Sprinkles, or she came into Sprinkles. So when I met her, the producer was like, guess where Maureen's leaving to go work? <laughs> and they were, they were like, she's like, where? And it's like, Sprinkles. She's like, oh my God, I love Sprinkles. Like, she was just like so excited. And she's like, now, nah. I'm like, now when you come in, like, I'll see sure, you. Sure, yeah. So the next time she came in and I stopped working at Gracie, the next time she came in, I was she was like, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, we're doing the short film series for Sprinkles. We hadn't done any yet. And she's like, I'd love to be in one. And she like wrote her name and number down and she's like, let me know. And I knew that she, her favorite cupcake was the strawberry. So I was like, oh, you could be in the strawberry short. And she's like, I'd love that. Lisa Simpson is in the strawberry short. So she that's was the first one. Yeah. So I went back to the owners and I was like, well, now we have our first celebrity. I was yeah, like, Darlie Smith wants to be in one. And so they were like, okay, let's make our first short. So, so you attached Yardley Smith, and then you got it, you got <laughs> yeah. your your strawberry yeah. So short that started greenlit. all the shorts. Yeah. I gotta say, this is the best day job story we've had on this <laughs> show by leaps and bounds. It's, it's kind of insane. Like it's just like okay, what? How can I? I love let's, it. No. So that basically, I made that one with Yardley, and I made another. Uh, I made the black and white film noir while I was managing. They made me a manager also, mm-hmm. so I was assistant manager <laughs> for a year and then a manager doing the movies and then after that year I think I told them I was like look I'm still going to want to do film if I have to have a job I want it to be here but I'm always going to be trying to get out and do film mm-hmm. so they actually created a position in the company that I did all the branded content so I did 10 short films I did all the training videos the owner used to be on Cupcake Wars so I'd go shoot little mm-hmm. behind the scenes vignettes of her on set and then I would go and shoot like um, all the new store openings so they basically created a position in the company for me and I did that were you, when you say shoot, were you also like DPing stuff? Yeah. So anytime we had like a short film, I would hire a crew and we had a budget, like a little tiny budget. And I would kind of use it as a little bit of a studio because I would pitch them, I would pitch them movies mm-hmm. and then I would, I, you know, have to put together a budget and like it have to finagle like, okay, I can, mm-hmm. you know, and I would write shorts like based on what I could get for free. Sure. Um, we shot one in Santa Barbara like it's about a guy on a desert island but I'm like all we need is a boat so like I found like a guy with a fishing boat that let us use it for free and like he jumped like we see the boat and the guy jumps in the boat so we shot on this boat and it was like how are we gonna afford this I was like don't worry I got the boat yeah, yeah. and it's sprinkles <laughs> I just need a lot of coupons <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's gonna I mean I did pay a lot of people in cupcakes <laughs> also but people in Santa Barbara probably didn't know that sprinkles was no. this like blowing up yeah company but yeah so like I basically did that for a while and it was cool because uh I got to work at home a lot and like I basically Did you edit everything and write everything? So anything that again anything that was like scripted I I kind of had a little bit of a budget so I would get a crew so I'd get a D I I don't really like to shoot things that I direct Mm -hmm. Um, I just it's to me it's using two different parts of my brain Mm -hmm. but anything that was like a vignette or like you know shooting stuff that was like a store opening I would shoot that you know it's like more doc style and then Mm -hmm. I would just find the story or put that stuff together so it just kind of depended and so the shorts we needed 10 we had budgets for those and everything else was just kind of in-house. Cool. Yeah. And then I got to like hire friends that were like a composer and do music and like. That's so good. I, this is like, it. it's a different version of the thing that we talk about on this show all the time of just kind of creating your own opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think, you know, you're hinting at the thing 
people call it golden handcuffs, right? Where yeah. you have a good job that you like, but people seem like you probably really connected with them. Yeah. They were really supportive. And so it's easy to end up not pursuing the things you actually want to do. But I love how you made that job work for you and towards your goals. Yeah. And, and kind of when I took, when I stopped working kind of in the industry, everybody was like, that seems like a mistake. Like, it seems like you're going to like lose all your connections. You're not going to be like meeting people. Like it's not going to be where you want to go. And I was, and I, in my gut, I was like, nah, I feel like this is like right for me. I'm going to figure it out. And whether it was like, okay, I'm not going to, they're not giving me movies anymore. And there was a time where we made 10 and then they were like, we don't really know what to do with them. And they stopped making the shorts. Did you I, put them on YouTube or? Yeah, what? they're on, they're all on YouTube. They actually played in all the stores. Cause Sprinkles oh, has cool. like 18 stores and they, in all the stores besides LA, they have, TV screens. I don't think they have them anymore, but they had them at one point. So all the shorts would play on a loop in the stores. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. it was like cool that they were just like, let's figure out this weird art installation at our cupcake bakeries. Right. Right. But at that time when it kind of dried up, I was like, now I'm getting creatively stifled. Mm-hmm. So I need to like go. And I got mad at myself because I did the kind of golden handcuffs. Like, okay, I'm feeling cre- creatively fulfilled, but then it gets taken away and you're like, now I'm frustrated. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started taking classes at UCB. I started shooting stuff with like my brother and like I did stuff for college humor. And so your brother was an, is an actor. Yeah. My brother Ahmed Barucha is a standup um, and an actor. So he has a group called dead Kevin, like a sketch group. And they did like one sketch a, a week for like three years. So um, they have kind of like uh, their DP, but when he couldn't do it, I would DP and I would help out. So I maybe shot like maybe one third of like all of their sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would do that and just kind of started to be like, I need to figure out stuff outside of the sprinklers job. And so uh, I ended up kind of reconnecting randomly or I was like, you know what? I need to make my own short. I haven't done my own short in a long time. I've done stuff for sprinkles. So I had this idea and I got Ron Funches and Matt Bronger to kind of sign sure. onto it. It's basically, it's called movie my machine and it's about two guys who build this machine in their garage that erases their memory so they can rewatch their favorite movies over and over again and they get addicted to their machine. So I was like, okay, I like started to build a set or whatever and I was like, this is this is going, this is the ball's rolling. At the same time, I actually reconnected with a friend that I went to grad school with and she was working at Mar Vista Entertainment, which mm-hmm. is a production company. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And she was like, I, had, I hadn't seen her in like a couple years. And, and they like, make a lot of movies. They, yeah, she was like, we make like 40 movies a year. So she's like, would you want to direct one? <laughs> She's like, I've seen your sprinkle stuff. I think it's great. And I was like, sure. She's like, okay, well, you know, we would do some lower budget stuff, but maybe I'll send you a script. So a couple weeks later, she sent me a script. And, and low wrote, budget is like half a million dollars, yeah, right? Yeah, half a mil. And so I was like, well, it was not, it was not exactly what I wanted, but I was like, it'd be fun. So, but then she told me the shooting dates and it was the same dates that I was going to shoot the short with Ron Funches and Matt Bronger. Mm. So I thought about it and I passed. I was like, you know what? I'm working on this passion project, this short film. Funches is so funny. Yeah. No, they're, yeah, he was like. But Brugger's funny too, but like, <laughs> but Funches is like pure charisma, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. No, so I was like, like I. Yeah. What's I, his name? Ron Funches. Ron Funches. You're going to look him up. But I was like, I'm going to have to pass it. Through. Like, I think some people thought I was crazy. Like, you're, you have an opportunity to do a feature. To do a feature. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but I have this other project that yeah. I'm. So luckily enough, the uh, the girl Hannah, she was like, you know what, we I really want to work with you. So if there's something that you've written that you want to direct, why don't you send that to me? So it was really funny. I was like, oh great, I have this perfect idea. I did not, um, but I had just read the script they gave me, so I understood the model mm-hmm. and their format. I came up with an idea, brought my friend Ellen on board, and we wrote a script in a month. And yeah. so then we sent it back to them. We're like, oh yeah, this is that script we we're talking about, and they're like, we want to make it for Mar Vista. Mm-hmm. 
so they bought it and then I got to direct it. And then again, I'm still working at Sprinkles at this time. So Sprinkles gave me like three months off. Yeah, that's great. Wait, so what so, was the script? Yeah. Wait, what, was it a TV movie? So it was, it was for, I mean, I, the, it was geared for a lifetime. Um, and it kind of, it kind of touched on my cupcake experience, but it was about a hot handyman who kind of becomes this interloper with this couple who's em- like renovating this empty renovate or this empty house. And he becomes like, he kind of gets in the middle of them and like mm-hmm. it ends with a showdown in this, this empty renovated house. And so he kind of just becomes like the interloper and like a psycho guy. Right. So it's like a little steamy, mm-hmm. a little thriller. Yeah. Like an empty house. So he, like it's an, it's a cheap location. Yes. Which we yeah. actually ended up shooting in New England and huh. uh, we had this old farmhouse, which was again, great for production design because we had a super low budget and anytime something didn't look right, we're like, throw a tarp on it. It's like they're, you know, they're redoing this house. It was like, put some boxes over there. Like put some, you know, crap in that corner. Right. right. Um, so we, if it looked shitty, it was like, yeah, they're renovating this house. Yeah. The first movie I worked on, Mitch's movie, The Hamiltons, it was like about a family that just moved, that moves around a lot. So like every house they're always, at is like, in boxes. there's just boxes. Yeah. 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 Empty boxes. But yeah. So that's kind of just, that was kind of like how the trajectory happened. It was just like, okay. And then. It just happened to be in that next year I made another short with like Lauren Lapkus, Mary Holland, Aparna and Trilla, and then I made my second movie with Marvista, which was a little bit like it wasn't technically for Lifetime. It was another thriller, an erotic thriller, um, and that got went into a couple of festivals and. And yeah. then did it end up on Lifetime? Or? It did. Like yeah, Lifetime yeah. ended up buying it afterwards. Yeah, they they have like a very good relationship. So yeah. like, you know. And that one starred like Madeline Zima, which she's like oh, awesome. Yeah. And she's like, she was on the Californication. Right? Yeah. We're like such kindred spirits. We're like, Oh, I'm so glad I met you. Um, and then, so then I was, then after that I got the job at Kimmel and I actually left sprinkles cupcakes for Kimmel. So I was doing all that stuff. So, wait, you, hold on. You had two features yeah. and these two shorts and you still worked at sprinkles. Yeah. But as their media person. So well, not, it was a full time job. Managing. It was like sure, 40 sure. hours a week. But at yeah. that point, the last, no, at, you had to be at the store. No. Once no. they created the job for me, I worked over at corporate oh, okay. and the last three, cause I worked for sprinkles for 10 years. The last three years I worked from home, but I basically could do at my hours. If I punch my hours in at night, I could edit at night or mm-hmm. I could, you know, so I figured out a way to like get it all done. Yeah. Right. It was wow. crazy. Wait. So what happened off the first short did you so you made this short it's mm-hmm. got these two really hilarious guys in it um and then do you play festivals does that get you an agent do you have reps what's the deal you know actually um the way i got my reps is when i sold my first script again it was a little bit of like the one to mar vista the mar vista one and they didn't even ask you to write a script you just wrote no. a script well, and sent it to them my friend had said like if there's something that you've written let me know and I was like oh yeah totally and then I just got a friend and we wrote it in a month and I was like here's that script I was talking about so um, she just was like send it to me if you have something and I was like okay and you were writing it while you were doing your job at Sprinkles and I was a little bit but because that's why I brought on a partner because I was like there's no way I could write this by myself this fast so we she was my roommate at the time so I was like, let's get just like let's punch this out yeah. so you just like outlined it and then mm-hmm. wrote it and yeah we it. kind of broke story and then we kind of took it half and half and like split it up and did you like it like were you yeah I mean we thought it was like way smarter than they gave us notes that like made it a little mm-hmm. bit more dumb and we're like oh, they took out the thing that was like made it really smart Right. Um, but we're like, okay, whatever. You have to kill your babies. <laughs> but you also, you kind of had that gift of knowing it's for a specific place and yeah. had a specific voice and a formula. So you're not 
trying to totally reinvent the wheel. It's like, oh, you know, it needs to be kind of yeah. a few of these things. You know, there's only so many things that Marvista does, right? Well, I think too, like, I mean, maybe that's, I think why I thrived at Sprinkles and those kinds of things where sometimes when you, and maybe for me, when you have those parameters, mm-hmm. you just find ways to be more creative yeah. than if you have like, you can write anything and do anything. It's like, oh, it takes forever because right, you're just right. like, what? I don't want it to suck. Yeah. But then when you have those parameters or like those restrictions. You've got to make a movie about a cupcake, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be magical and, and black fun. And white. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. That, it has to be on brand with the, yeah. the store as well. Yeah. Um, you don't have to answer this question, but did do you make a good amount of money from selling a script to Mar Vista? Again, I think how, I mean, I think how they can make so many movies and take a chance on people is, you know, I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the uh, DGA at the time. I wasn't in the Writers Guild. So there weren't any kind of minimums. It wasn't a ton of money, but it was definitely like, oh, this is a nice chunk of money that I didn't have. And um, you split it with your mm-hmm. co-writer? Yeah. But it wasn't enough to be like, oh, I should just write scripts from our Vista and quit no. sprinkles. No. I mean, I also don't know if that would be creatively fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. It, that becomes another version of the day job, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like I am always, again, maybe that's also my problem. I'm always like, what's, what's next? What's different? So I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get into the routine of that. Right. So, okay, so you did the short kind of, it did well, but it didn't get you. Oh, so then kind of else? I got the the lawyers through uh, selling the script and I, a friend was like, oh, we heard, I was like, I knew that I needed to get someone to do my contract when I sold the movie or when they said they were going to buy it. This was on a Thursday in the morning. I like told my sister-in-law, I was like, I need a lawyer. I need to, you know, and then she was like, okay, I have somebody. And then I had another friend who was like, oh, I'm over at Ginsburg and Daniels. So like both of them called the same lawyer by chance. Oh, great. And then he called me the next day and he was like, we want to meet you. So I came in the next day and he was like, okay, we want to rep you. So then I called Marvis and I was like, oh, just send my contract to my lawyers. It's like, oh, great. I (laughs) just like got it. Everyone, that doesn't normally happen (laughs) like that. That Who are your lawyers? And you're like, um, (laughs) my my cousin's (laughs) husband, I think is a. Yeah. So I didn't know that you could have lawyers first and that they would help you get reps. So once I did those shorts, they kind of sent those shorts around. Right. Um, And I signed with CIA after um, they saw my first short and then I was making my second short. The first short being the movie machine. Mm-hmm. And the second one was like Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer, Mary Holland. And it's called Hairpin Bender. And that's just about a bunch of female comedians that it's kind of like a walk, like a walk and talk. Have they go on a bender? Kind of. I mean, it's like, I, again, I was inspired because I really like, um, maybe I just really like kind of movies that feel real. So it's like with all of those ladies are so funny, but I wanted to put them into a more of a real, like a more real environment. Mm-hmm. So it was like swing. It was like slacker or um like uh swingers but with like women mm-hmm. and just like i feel like i'm at that time too i was like so sick of seeing women portrayed as like we pay the bills it's like hard to live it's just like struggle and so it was like it's just these ladies kind of talking about how like yeah it sucks it's a grind and like you know am i even doing the right thing um so it's just kind of a short about them kind of having a night where they kind of talk about like what are they doing yeah you know what i love about both of those shorts is that it feels like you've got a real eye for talent, right? Like, mm-hmm. so all of those people were about to blow up, right? Like, yeah, I'm trying to place what, when was, what year was the hairpin bender? Uh, we shot, I think that was like two years ago, two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So Lauren maybe was already, she was, yeah, she was, um, but, but everybody else was kind she's of, she's on orange is a new black. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. We had talked about the project for a long time. Like uh-huh. we were like, I want to do this movie. You'd be so great. I kind of want you to be like the Vince Vaughn and like this, uh, thing and but then she was like yeah I want to do it too and then she become she became really busy and Mm -hmm. then it was like 
I know if I don't, we don't make this now, we're, I'm Jesus. never going to get yeah. all of these women together. And it was the way we shot it. I would never recommend shooting a short like this because basically, uh, I sent out a doodle. I don't know if you guys have used a doodle. It's like an online thing to like schedule a group oh, yeah, of yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I like sent out a doodle and I was like, these are the dates that I'm thinking of. Like check off when you have availability. So I wrote the script based on like when people had availability, like, okay, Aparna and Lauren have a day together. Let's write a scene with them. <laughs> like, Are you serious? That, yeah. That is crazy. And also <laughs> so genius though. Right. Because again, it's giving yourself constraints, right? Yeah. You know, these people are awesome. You want to put them together, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. You you got to shoot it because of that doodle. And it, what? Yeah, and we shot five days, all ran like there were maybe two days together, and I was like, okay, let's shoot this other day. Like, and I had three DPs because it was like the cast is the thing that has to set it, right? And like my DP couldn't make one day, so I was like, okay, let's get this other person. And like there were definitely things I would. And were you financing this whole thing yourself? Yeah, I mean, both of the shorts that I did again, since I hadn't done anything on my own, I was like, I'm gonna try to scrimp and save and call on my favors and like a little bit of my tax return like they're both really you know small but they were you know not insignificant but again most of the money went into like renting equipment or like lights or like feeding people mm-hmm. just like having really good snacks and food right yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of uh, sprinkles but, cupcakes on yeah well, there's always sprinkles cupcakes on my set <laughs> and you knew the cast from U- your ucb stuff yeah, and just, your brother yeah, friends because uh, when i was at ucb i met a lot of them and just the yeah mostly and then I would get excited about projects like I didn't know Ron or Matt uh, but my brother did so I like pitched them the stories and they were like yeah this sounds great and again I feel like I do do that where you're like I'm writing this kind of with this person in mind mm-hmm. and then you're like oh, I think you'd be great in this and but yeah the, the hairpin bender thing was it was crazy how we shot it and again we stole like all of our locations we yeah. didn't have like we you know we shot like in a hiking scene and like one we shot in some like this convenience store that we weren't supposed to use like they were even like their landlord won't let us we're like, wait, wait, so be fine. Hold, hold on. I, well, I want to talk about shooting. Yeah. It was an open convenience store and you just went in and well, shot in it? There is like a store right by my house and they close at eight every night. So I was like, this is perfect. It's like such a oh, cute little. It's out front though. No, it's in the convenience store. And it was open? Well, they were, they'd close at eight o'clock at night. So you go, go in at 7.59 with your whole crew? Yeah. And they're like, well, we can't close it until you guys leave? <laughs> They let no. They let us. They were just like, don't like. They were like, we're gonna play dumb. Don't tell the owners. The like yeah. the people, the employees. Oh, I let see. Them. Yeah. Gotcha. But they were like, no, no. I was like, like, where like, are we gonna get this? Hey, lucky? do you like, like cupcakes? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we're just gonna unplug all your ice machines real quick. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even do that, and we even stole like a gas station location. We were just like, can we use your pump that's not working? That is so excellent. So it was like really run and gun and like. And you crazy. produced it too. Hmm. Yeah. Again, I feel like, I, oh my God, it's so crazy to think that I did that or that we did that. <laughs> but you're like, okay, it's done. Yeah, you did it. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then you have all these cool locations and it's not just like another short right. in your apartment, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. And again, the, the movie My Machine, that was one location, but it was, uh, we turned my friend's like separated garage. I have a friend that I worked with on Cupcake Wars. She, she's like a production designer. She helped me build and we built this huge, crazy set where multiple TVs and like DVDs mm-hmm. and wires and junk like it was just like this like hovel of like movies and like screens kind of yeah. yeah so you're like this is our location and what was really cool about that is when we had the screening for it we had the the it's still set up uh-huh. and my friend's uh, house they have this big backyard and we put up an out, outdoor screen yeah that's fun so my brother Ron Funches and Matt Bronger all did stand up yeah and then we great. showed the short that's great in the backyard and then people could watch the, like look at the set that's living the dream right there yeah that's it was so like good. this is the coolest screening <laughs> it's like it's not gonna get better than this yeah, yeah that is kind of perfect yeah well I had yeah. a question actually that's 
pertains to my own life right now. I told you guys I'm, yeah. you know, a director's reel is like this real weird thing, like whether you even need it or you don't. Like I don't, I've never heard of a story of someone getting a job because their reel looked good, unless it was a commercial job. Hold on, I want to make sure we clarify. Too. Uh, sometimes when people say real, they re- literally just mean like a stack of like, oh, these are the three shorts that I have. A portfolio. A portfolio oh, versus, versus a like a sizzle reel where it's like my, this they is They had a my montage. sizzle reel. They, and that's what got. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or at least it's like the first thing they watch and they're like, okay, I'll, we'll delve in. Like to me, the, the goal of a reel, because I usually send people my website. There's yeah. 25 of my best things on there, maybe. Um it's hard. It takes a long time if you want to go through all of them. And yeah. there's yeah. different genres of things and people don't know what to click on. Right? So if you just watch the sizzle. It's like, oh, that's three right. minutes of well, I, what I, Maureen does best. Yeah, I, I think that I feel like this comes up a lot with like the director's reels. And I'm on a couple different director's groups where like this becomes like the conversation whether it's like, do you have a reel that has like scenes in it? Or do you have mm-hmm. a sizzle reel? Or mm-hmm. do you have a longer one? And like, Honestly, like for a time I had a sizzle and then a longer one. And now I just have like, I just basically went to the sizzle because I'm like, if somebody watches something cool in that like minute or a minute and a half as it should be, then they'll want to go back and watch other stuff. So a minute and a half is your sizzle. Reel. I think like people have such an, a, a short attention span that like it's yeah. A sizzle is what's going to get them excited. You're like, oh, cool. What else is this? Like, what is this? But mm-hmm. so how many lines of dialogue do you fit? My sizzle, sizzle doesn't have any dialogue. It's just cool shots. It's just make. It's just cool shit. That's also my motto, guys. Make, is there, make, cool, <laughs> make cool shit. Wait, no joke. Is there any? Because my pet peeve about sizzles is like when there's an actor and they're moving their lips, but you don't hear what they say. Is there any of that stuff? There's not really any of that stuff. I mean, uh, well, maybe in the one that I have now, but for the most part, whenever I put my sizzle together, it's just like a lot of movement or like showing scope. Or like, you know, different kinds of shots and not using the same actor a bunch. Um, But most of the time, I feel like I went in for an interview recently or just met with some people and they were like, oh, wait, your your reel was so great. And I was like, I didn't even think it was that good, but they're like, it was the best reel that we saw. But maybe it was just that tonally it was like, oh, it all makes sense. So everyone, can we put your reel on the site? Is it sure? Public? Yeah, so I mean, I think go. the reel that I have now is not the one that they said that about, but <laughs> yeah, um, no, this one's probably yeah. better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had stuff in it that I was like, oh, this isn't, and I now I actually I feel like a lot of people send me their reels. Actually, I'm supposed to look at my one of my friends right now. Um, so I feel like I've been good about being like, oh, this is I would take this out. Like I think mm-hmm. the pitfalls of reels sometimes are they show the same actor a bunch of times, sure, yeah. or it's like talking heads you're like oh no do you have like an action shot or the camera's moving even if it's a moment Mm -hmm. um but yeah i feel like all i I, actually i've gotten a lot of work or meetings from my sizzle yeah we should freaking make our own sizzle reels matt and i have been we talk about this a lot but lately people have just been asking us for reels and it's really annoying because we're like well if we cut a reel and it's so specific like yeah and we shoot a bunch of new stuff like it's a pain in the ass to edit um, and also, like, do you want to show scenes? And is it like a comedy reel or a drama reel? Or do yeah. you have to make separate reels? This one I have now, like, is for a long time, I just had all comedy in mind. And now I was like, whatever, I'm just going to mix it. So it might be weird, but I'm like, okay, this works. Yeah. I, I feel like mine, I think there's a real skill in knowing how to cut a comedy reel that is true to your voice, but all, and it's also funny and not too talky, right? Like, most yeah. of my stuff is, like, pretty dialogue-driven. And so... If it's like a little more slapsticky or active or or just more action, you know, mm-hmm. like I think that kind of can save a reel. Whereas like, 
whenever I start to try and cut mine, it either ends up just being like too flashy and not really representative of what I do or like a Woody Allen reel. It's yeah. Like, well, you know. well, this the slash reel that I did, it was the first time I never edited my own. Yeah. So, I think that's the secret. That's interesting. I don't I think... don't know. I think I don't like it as oh, much. Oh, really? The I problem... mean, I this person that edited it does not <laughs> hear me, but I was just like, oh, that's... Why would you pick like... Because I was like, oh, I wanted to like give it to somebody else to mm-hmm. see kind of if they see other stuff. And then I was like, oh, no, they picked all the wrong things. No, I'll tell you. I'll give you two reasons why you can't have someone else edit your reel. Yeah. <laughs> Number three reasons. Number one, <laughs> they are not going to spend the time like going through things and frame fucking and all that stuff True. that you would do on your reel. Number two, they they are just not going to like kind of they, they don't know your breadth of work. So they'll probably just like watch everything once and forget it, you know. And Yeah. It, but number three, the most important thing, I think. And something that I've really been thinking a lot about lately is that your reel should represent what type of stuff you want to do, right? Yeah. Like I want to do big scope things. I want to mm-hmm. do scenes with a hundred extras or I want to do stuff with like celebrities in a room or whatever. Like just you're fine tuning. You're saying like of all the thousands of minutes of footage that I've shot and edited, these are the ones that are representative of how I think of myself as a director and the type of work that yeah. I want to get. And then editor is especially unless they're like your, your main editor or something, they're just never going to know. They're that. not going to get it. And yeah. maybe you can have them do like a pass on music and graphics or something. Yeah, no, I agree. But. And I feel like I learned that from having this person do it. Cause I ha- basically had to sit and be like, this is what, and I, it's not, I still don't love it. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's something with the flow that's a little off, but it gets the point across. And like, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, you want to put the, the main celebrities up top or like the most engaging things. So somebody's still watching and you're like, I don't think you did that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So huh. reels are, reels are interesting, but I feel like anytime anybody sends me a reel that's like has a sizzle up top and then scenes, I'm like, Oh no, like that's, I want to be able to pick. That is exactly my comedy reel. It's like a 30 second sizzle, pretty much like all celebrity faces. And then like a couple funny visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, three scenes from my work that I think are like the funny, like yeah. that work on a pure comedy level. They're not actually the production value. It's not like my best production value. But just to show that you're but genuinely yeah. funny. funny. Yeah. 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 See, yeah. I've done where you like send the sizzle. So like they'd watch that and then probably maybe like three links to different, like right. the top three. So they were like, Oh, I liked that. And I can just watch these things that I picked. Cause yeah. I was, you know, you can go to the website, my website too, but it's like, yeah. What do you look at? Right. In commercials, it's different because you can you only get hired to do a commercial if you've directed like that exact commercial before. Yeah. So you really only show people like, oh, it's, that there's dogs. Here's two things with dogs. Yeah, my dog ones. Got That's it. it. Yeah. yeah. And a cat, um, but it was a very dog-like cat. Yeah. Um, yeah so, like reels are yeah. hard. Yeah. So well, yeah, because I guess with the Kimmel stuff, it's probably like, I mean, you have like Will Smith reading a tweet, you know, but does that. It's like the biggest stars, but doing kind of the smallest things. Like, does I'm just curious if something like that makes your reel or not. Um, it did not real, not in my. I mean, I wouldn't put like the tweets on there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I also think like it's not as visual as like. I think my work is a little bit more visual storytelling, and then for that kind of stuff, I would put more like scenes or like production design, and it because I think those things would stick out with all my other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in. Yeah, because it's funny. I mean, sometimes we talk about this all the time. We work, you worked at College Humor for years. I worked at Disney for years. It's like we have such a giant amount of stuff that we've shot, but like how much of it is. And I feel right like people are savvy room. now, too, where like if they see that's just something like that, they're not going to be like, well, that's 
did you direct them in a scene that you know what i mean right. like it's yeah. not it's not from a narrative piece i don't know like i think it can be you have to make sure that tonally it all matches or like fits together yeah i think it's also tricky when you're at a specific place for a long time right like i have a ton of great college humor sketches but I wouldn't use very many of them because it's always the same cast over mm. and over again. Right. Yeah. And they have and a so, certain feel and look and yeah. pace. And so it just kind of, it all ends up blending together. And then it almost looks like I've only done one thing. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, I've done a, a ton, you know. That's kind of like when I worked at Sprinkles and I made a, a sizzle. Right. It was like, okay, I have to like make sure not to put too many cupcake shots yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, sure. But then the great thing about those Sprinkles shorts is they were all different styles and yeah, genres. Yeah. So I could be like, oh, there's this one like wander, walk and talk in New York. York and then there's like this beach scene right but I did go in one time to meet somebody and they're like oh the sprinkles I get why there was so many cupcakes in your in your reel they're like oh okay like I was like oh, I tried to hide them <laughs> so it's not just like, like wall-to-wall cupcakes cupcakes <laughs> yeah. if you want to see Maureen's reel you can go to Maureen Barucha that's b-h-a-r-o-o-c-h-a.com yeah are you on twitter or anywhere else yeah my uh, twitter handle is m barucha and then I'm a big fan of Instagram. So mm-hmm. Maureen Barucha, Instagram. Awesome. And, and Maureen we'll have, is M-A-U-R-E-E-N. We'll have links right. to all of that yeah. stuff. And then yeah, I, sure I post some of my Kimmel stuff behind the scenes. Oh, there. cool. Yeah. A little inside track. Yeah. And um, now that there's filmmaker, female filmmaker Friday hashtag. I don't know if you guys know about that. Sure. Oh, that's a weekly thing. I've noticed. Yeah. It was like this underground thing that like a bunch of fem- like female filmmakers sent to each other and it was supposed to start on February 2nd but then people started posting the, yeah. fi- the Friday before. What is the story behind that? Somebody was like... I think the story behind it was it was somebody from Lady Bird just being like oh yeah. we don't see enough images of women directing. It's so cool and it inspires other people. Let's just get that out there. That's actually what I kind of been doing with my Instagram because I have a private one and a public one. Mm-hmm. My public one is just okay I'm gonna it was an experiment at the time. I was like let me just post pictures of just working and that actually gets way more likes than my private stuff. So yeah, yeah. But so, that's kind of where it came from. It's it's really cool. It's kind of inspiring to see everyone's stories. Or like, this is the first time I did this, or this time I was on this TV show, or whatever. It's also a nice excuse just to post a bad act directing picture. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like normally it's like okay, like you know, you having fun on set is one thing, but you don't want like. You, there's not too many options for you to like post that picture of you pointing next to a camera <laughs> yes, and true. now you get to every Friday. Yeah. Wait, so but are you guys ever on set and you're like, Hey, take a picture. Like ask someone to take a picture of you directly. Oh yes. Quick? Yeah. Well I have like my two movies that I did. My brother came to set like both times and like he brought a camera. Nice. Oh, yeah. Lucky. So it was just like, take, okay, I'm going to go over there take a picture of me like talking to the actor. Yeah, yeah. I've been on a lot of commercial shoots where they have like a yeah. stills person yeah. and I'm like, Hey, can you hook me up with these stills of me and whatever? Whoever yeah, you should like a still person is good about and then, that yeah they never no? do. oh man they're like you talk to the pr company though. oh that's yeah sometimes there's like oh we can't like yeah you got to buddy up yeah yeah my wife directs as well and we had a set photographer and so she she she's an actor uh so she was directing the things she was acting in and i was we but right before lunch grabbed a couple shots of her like that we staged of her directing in character or like in costume i mean that look awesome and we used them all the time yeah you, it's like you need those like you need those them. like staple shots where yeah. you're like okay yeah it's a it feels cheesy to be like hold on will you please take my picture and i'm gonna pose a little bit but yeah. it, it is worth it i think but sometimes it's just like about owning it right where it is yeah. like oh i feel like it's like when you first call yourself a director where it's yeah. like what do you do and you're like i direct <laughs> and you're like yeah i'm a director i'm a director <laughs> yeah it's like before you get paid too much you know what i mean you're like yeah. this is a paying yeah. job i, yeah. I direct yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, 
Cool. Well, should we go into our unpaid endorsements? Unpaid endorsements. So my endorsement is, uh, do you guys remember the movie Walk Hard? Yeah. Yeah. The Dewey Cox story. The Dewey Cox story. Dewey Cox story. I feel like it didn't get enough attention when it came out. I don't think it did super well. The guy that plays the dad is in my movie. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) He's so funny. Yeah. That movie is great. Raymond Barry. Yeah, it's really great. It's And it's on Netflix right now. So like you can watch it again um, or for the first time. Um, I, I stumbled upon or I was reminded of it and rewatched uh, it recently. The songs are all super funny. It's great. And like as kind of a lover of those biopics and like the eras of music that they're trying to skewer, it's all really funny. Like there's a great like um like brian wilson smile bit it's funny it's real stupid um, great line wrong son died yeah right. yeah yeah he says that uh, that's a <laughs> runner over and I over don't, now right? i really want to yeah the I wrong son died. i want to watch it <laughs> so the the best song by far is uh, a duet between um uh, jenna fisher's character and um dewey cox uh called let's duet that's nothing but like double entendres oh. but as like kind of a classic western song yeah it's great. It's like so fun. Um, so uh, Walk Hard is my first endorsement. And the other one actually is uh, Jenna Fisher, um, Pam from The Office, has a new book out. Do you guys remember? Uh, so she was in Walk Hard. But uh, when The Office was first blowing up, the My, act- MySpace was also a thing. Oh, yeah. The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide. The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide by Jenna Fisher. She would post blogs on MySpace about... Um, Show her experience, right? Yeah, and her experience. Oh, really? And like, I found them to be really insightful and applicable and great as well. It's just, you know, if you ever need a little bit of reinforcement of like, you know, just why we do this or like how hard it can be or like you want to feel supported. Moving out to Los Angeles, she literally like threw all of her stuff in her hatchback and drove out and moved to West Hollywood and like, you That's know, awesome. made it. And it's awesome. So she's got a new book out. I haven't read it yet. But I can't wait to, uh, and I remember those MySpace posts very fondly. So wait, so you don't know if it's good or not? Well, I heard her on. Uh, um, Should I buy it? You I was remember just about those MySpace p- blogs? <laughs> yeah, I remember those MySpace blogs, and I'm very excited. So I will <laughs> let everyone know. Or if you want to wait, if you want to save no, the I'm, 1999, I'm buy it right now. There you go. It's <laughs> twelve sixteen, it. by the way. <laughs> twelve sixteen. Oh boy, that's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll uh, Orin. We'll have to report back, but uh, I'm excited to read it, and I can stand by walk hard no matter what. Okay, I'm buying it. Place your order. What tax? What a ripoff. <laughs> uh, Maureen, you got anything? Um, sure. Well, now, I mean, you're two inspired me, so now I want to do two. Sure, yeah. Okay. So first is your movie inspired me as well. Like, I'm just thinking of a movie that I've seen recently. I'm like, God, I haven't seen this in so long. Uh, is Heart 8. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. The Tarantino film. No, no. no Paul no. Thomas Anderson. Oh, oh, oh yeah. PTA, yeah, first yeah. feature. Sorry, what am I thinking of? Crazy 8? The Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah. <laughs> Same number. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I feel like I just recently watched it because I liked Phantom Thread a lot and uh-huh. I really like Paul Thomas Anderson. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to kind of go back and watch some of the old movies. And I forgot how well done and just like simple. Like it's just yeah. a, a character story and the twists in it is really great. And like obviously like John C. Riley's like awesome. And sure. uh, I forget the main guy's name who plays Sydney. I can't remember. You know, he's in like it, Magnolia. Yeah, he's like uh, um, Tom Cruise. No, it's so prolific the uh, actor. I think he's got three names, right? Philip yeah. Baker Hall. Yep. Yes, I mean he's just so. I mean, so great. So, 
I would say like revisit that movie. Probably it's one that some, most people might not have seen. Yeah. And if you have, you huh. probably haven't seen it in a I while. Like Baker Hall is Agent Bookman from Seinfeld. Oh yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So I would say I would say uh, revisit that movie. It's it's quite enjoyable, and like Sam Jackson's in it too, which I also forgot. It, is Heartache the one that? Because I know Paul Thomas Anderson dropped out of film school. Is that is it's his first feature, right? So I think he just. It was his first feature, but I know did that he, he did like coffee and cigarettes. That? that was like a sh- he did like a short about Sydney and a short about like coffee and cigarettes, and both of those turned into features. Uh, coffee and cigarettes is um the other guy. Uh, uh, Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. No, yeah, yeah. he also, Paul Thomas Anderson did something that was like so, that, like coffee or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. His is called coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be mine. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> coffee or something. Hey, you're due for a new short, right? Yeah. yeah. Black and white. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. Oh, that my God. Good. He's directing a lot of stuff. Cigarettes and coffee. Oh, Sorry, I stand corrected. There you go. <laughs> I wonder if it's a like a riff off of. I don't uh, know. That's interesting. But I know that uh, he no, also did he it. made that was 1993. Coffee and cigarettes is like 2000. Coffee and cigarettes was uh, he, Jarmusch would do an installment whenever people he had, like yeah. yeah yeah. So some of that stuff is like super old. Oh, so really? I mean, yeah. I stand yeah, corrected. Cigarettes and coffee. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I would say like check out that movie. It's quite enjoyable. Um, and then my other endorsement, I would say growing up in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> They've had some rough times with the mudslides. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just give, you know, don't don't forget they're there. Yeah. Give them some yeah. love. Go spend some tourism yeah. money. Get some, yeah. P- pump some more money back into Santa Barbara. I was just up in um, Los Olivos not that long ago, and it's very nice still. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just yeah. like go go have a good time. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Love it. Is Loma Linda in Santa Barbara? Oh, no. no that's San Bernardino County. Ugh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, we might have some Sorry. listeners from there. It's Loma Linda, is, before we started recording, is one of these blue zones. I love zones. Loma Linda. There's five oh. blue zones in the world. So a blue the zone The Italian is. island of Sardinia, Okinawa, Japan, Loma Linda, California, Costa Rica, isolated Nicoya Peninsula, and some Greek island. Uh, a blue zone is... Where all there's just a ton of people that are over in their 90s and hundreds, oh. Um, oh. and they're super healthy, it's not like on medication or anything, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so go wow. move there if you want to live for a long time. A good retirement community, probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, not good for me because I'm not really good at planning for my retirement, <laughs> <laughs> so the sooner the better. Um, cool, well, those were great, great endorsements. My endorsement is not going to be great. <laughs> so I went to Starbucks this morning, uh, the Starbucks uh-huh. that I talk a lot about on this podcast in Los Feliz. And I, you know, I got like the same the thing Starbucks I always reserve. get. Starbucks <laughs> okay. oh. I got a coffee and like a turkey bacon sandwich. And I went and I was going to go sit down on a couch. And I saw that I had gone there like on Friday and I sat down on the same part of the same couch and the same person was sitting across from me and mm-hmm. next to me. And so I was like trying to find a different place to sit because at first I was like, ah, it's kind of weird for me to sit next to the same two strangers I just sat next to on Friday. I feel like I'm a loser. Why am I at this coffee shop? <laughs> um, but I didn't really, I was like kind of looking around and the guy that was sitting across from me on Friday was like gestured to the couch and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll sit here. And I was like, hi, yeah, deja vu. And he's like, sure. Uh, You're like, yeah. am I in the pilot of a sitcom right now? Or yeah. that was Jim Jarmusch and he's <laughs> shooting an episode of Coffee and right. Cigarettes. Well, he's like, my name is uh, Louise, by the way. I was like, oh, I'm Oren. And he's like, Horan? And I was like, no, Oren, no H. Um, but uh, 
he's I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird how I'm sitting here again. He's like, I, I actually love routine. And he's like, they're <laughs> reading like a newspaper, like with paper. He's like, I you live know, here. <laughs> made out of paper. No. And I was like, yeah, what is wrong with me? Why am I trying to like change up my coffee shop routine all the time? I'm already like driving all the way to Los Feliz for this coffee shop. Even though I used to go there because I dropped my daughter off at daycare right next to it. And she's not going to that daycare anymore. But I realized so you also like, like routine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I realize. Well, I guess. So my endorsement is to embrace the routine. Like I think there's like, oh, there's this new coffee shop we can, I can go right at. Or this other coffee shop or this other place. Or like it's like I'm trying to explore the city while I'm trying to work in various places. And mm. I think that's a mistake. Just focus on the work. That's interesting. And yeah. just go to the same place. Because, yeah, my wife's like, oh, there's this new coffee shop. Why don't you come here instead? It's like mm-hmm. in Echo Park. And I was like, well, I know where to park at the Starbucks. I know where I'm going to sit. I know what I'm going to order. Like all those. Luis I, has a spot waiting for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> like the experience of going to a new place is going to take away from me actually sitting down and like opening up yeah, yeah. like a word processor and like writing stuff. So, um and I, I have this book on my nightstand that I only read the first chapter of, but it was great called The Creative Habit. And the whole oh. premise of that book is how it's much easier to be creative if you make it a habit as mm. opposed to this that thing that you're trying to find time for. And I mean, you're a full timer, so you don't, you don't get it at all, Maureen. But when, <laughs> when you're a freelancer, it's really hard oh, I, to I not procrastinate. There. Yeah. Yeah. You worked from home for three years. Yeah, That's really hard. That's rough. Yeah. I didn't wear cl- I didn't wear regular clothes for three years. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and that, fir- that first year, you're like, I've won, ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. And then, and you're, then like, you're like, now I'm just sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, well, anyway, so my endorsement is is that routine is great. You know, go for it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. At least until next week's episode where I tell you I hate it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if you guys want to uh, find out more about what we talked about this episode, check out our website, just shootitpod.com. Uh, we also love questions and comments and feedback and send us your reels. Maureen said she'll review all of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll kidding. send them directly to Maureen. <laughs> um, you can That's email a joke, us. Guys, don't but you can't. We will send. Uh Oren will send back feedback if you do send people stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. how I procrastinate. Is I watch people's reels. Oh, yeah, it's like I'm send notes. really good at procrastinating. <laughs> um, but email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. Or if you have a shorter comment or question, you can tweet at us at justshootitpod on Twitter. If you've got a really interesting question, you can uh, drop us a voicemail at 2626-SHOOT1. Love whoa. those voicemails. Oh, is that a landline? It's, it's a, a Google, Google voice line. Yeah. Oh. So we just get Technology. the little MP3, we throw it on the show. It's great. It's super That's fun. Awesome. And you get to hear the voice of the person asking the question. It's really neat. That's yeah. really yeah. cool. And uh, also, we always love iTunes reviews and ratings. So please leave those for us. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music that you're listening to right now is by the artist Jazar, and it's from the Free Music Archive. And that's, and all, that's we got. all she wrote. Thanks, everyone. Bye.